everyone. Welcome back to But Why Though the Podcast, the podcast where every week I, Kate, Adrian, and Matt talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, we have an exciting announcement to make. The But Why Though community is growing and we're extremely happy to welcome So Here's What Happened. They are an amazing pop culture podcast hosted by Carolyn and Nisha where they come together to review and recommend what they've watched and read over the past month. I definitely love this podcast. There are two episodes in as of now. You can find them on our website, butwhythopodcast.com, and you can also find them on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts, just like you can find us. Uh, so make sure you follow them. Give them that loving and supportive, but why though welcome. And uh, yeah, we're very happy to have them. And if you want to get involved in some of the larger conversations, go ahead and follow us at ButWhyThoughPC on Twitter and then Facebook, facebook.com slash ButWhyThoughPC. And if you want to support us a little more, go ahead and head over to patreon.com slash ButWhyThoughPC for as little as a dollar a month. You can help us keep this community growing and help us keep this podcast, um, you know, the best it can be. But as always, thank you for your support and listening to this episode. I also just want to give you a heads up and say that we recorded all of this about a month ago, right after our Tolkien episode, and we had no idea that Amazon would in fact be bringing a young Aragorn series to the interwebs. Uh, So this is a little bit of uh, predictive stuff. But as always, enjoy the show. Tolkien episode, the Lord of the Rings movies, because need, it, it needed its own episode. Um, so are we talking just some movies or just Lord of the Rings in general of what they've become like since the books? Okay, pretty much that. Okay. Mostly the movies, but with the movies inspired, which is pretty much everything that's happened since the books. Got it. <laughs> As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Uh, hello, I forgot what that was. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I so doubt I forgot what I was supposed to say. I almost said bye. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in there. Okay, so this one's easy. Who is your favorite character from Lord of the Rings, the movies, and how many times have you seen it? Which ones? The Lord of the Rings movies. Well, I meant like... The Lord of the Rings movies, not the Hobbit movies. No, I meant like, are we counting if you get to see all three of them as one? Yeah, like the series. Or do you have... If you have a different character for each... No, movie. no, no. I'm talking about how many times you've seen them. Because I've seen each movie a different amount of times. Oh, well, then just say that. I can't watch them not in succession, so. I'm sorry I don't have 12 hours to bull every day. I don't. I just don't watch. The, I have to watch. Okay, anyway. Adrian, go. Ooh, this question is really, really hard. I don't like it. This question's um, actually easy. I want to say... 
Gandalf off the top of my head is my favorite with like Gimli coming up like a short second especially like watching the extended editions which in like in to be perfectly honest all it like blends in my head I don't know what's extended edition and what's not extended edition anymore because I've watched the extended edition so many times um I don't know the amount of times I've watched these movies but it's a lot um but I really like Gandalf and Gimli for just different reasons like all together Matt so I should just make you guys guess my favorite character Legolas yes the arrow Yes. So that's definitely my favorite character, and I always like elves and bows. So obviously that was an easy thing. As far as what I've seen, I've only seen The Fellowship three times. I've seen The Two Towers five times, and The Return, I believe, six times. So um, growing up, Legolas was my favorite because he was hot. Um, and then it was Aragorn when I was really emo and moody. And now that like I've rewatched them, so going to my rewatch numbers... I can't tell you how many times I've rewatched them before this year because I've rewatched Fellowship seven times, Two Towers seven times, and Return of the King six, but I'm going to finish it out at work tomorrow. See, I'm not a big fan <laughs> of Fellowship, time. though. I wasn't, but the reason, this is where I come to it, now watching it in my current position, Samwise Gamgee is my hero, and he is my favorite character. And I love him, and I think that's why I appreciate the Fellowship so much more. Because, like, you don't, like, Samwise is the heart of the franchise. Like, he's the only reason stuff happens with Frodo. He's the only reason you can have stuff done. I may not be able to carry your problems, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. And he picks up Frodo and throws him over his shoulder and carries him. And I'm like, this means so much to me right now, because I am Frodo and overwhelmed by all the responsibilities that I take on. So one thing, one, Sam could never be my favorite character, even though I like him, only because it's the same guy who played Rudy, and I hate that damn movie. <laughs> and so every time I watch it, you I'm like, I hate Sean Rudy. Alone. I hate Rudy so much, and I hate that whole story, and that movie Did, is was awful. It, was it like the, so we had Remember the Titans that we watched like every time there was a free period to watch a movie in a class? Did you so one, I actually movie? like Remember the Titans, but two, Rudy's just an overrated, terrible story, it's a horrible thing. This whole participation tra- trophy shit. He got in, got one kickoff, and got blown the fuck up, and then basically that was <laughs> he it. He really did. <laughs> he got... <laughs> Sam got wrecked in that movie. And this whole thing, we're supposed to cheer for him? Like, no, get off the damn field. You are terrible. And I hate it. And I hate that movie. And I hate that people even like that movie. And if you like Rudy, I hate you too. Like, I do not like that movie. And what it represents and everything. There's so much anger. <laughs> That's why Sam Wise can never be my favorite character. Let's get <laughs> on. Some. I don't know how much of that I'm going to leave in. <laughs> what? S- Sam in the Lord of the Rings movie was a better athlete than Rudy. Accurate. He walked a lot, guys. Yeah, even the trees walk in these, these movies. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's why I have an emotional connection to Sam. That's why I do too. Yes. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> You're both. You both got those emotional connections for sure. No, but even if we like Sam, for me was also one of the most faithful characters to the book portrayed in the movies. Um, and so I did a reread of the book when I was finishing up my undergraduate degree, and like just with like the lens at that point in my life, and like even now, like I don't know. I just appreciate Sam a lot. I love him. Yeah. 
Now, now I gotta explain why I like Gimli. Because now I feel like, people are like, why do you also, like Gimli? Also, hey, hey, Grant, one of Gandalf's names is in my is in my Twitter tan, can, uh, is in my Twitter handle. And I didn't put Gandalf as my favorite character. I actually like Gandalf, too. I love Gandalf. Just... I love Gandalf. Gandalf. I feel like second. everybody loves Gandalf. Like, who doesn't love Gandalf? Yeah. Like, he's freaking Gandalf, man. Yeah, it's like Sam, Gandalf, and Aragorn. Those are my top three. Yeah. I like Gimli, one, because, like, the actor's actually, like, huge. And he plays, like, this this little dwarf, and I think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, and because, like, just, like, reading up, like, on the backstory of, like, the movies and how he, like, improvised a bunch of his stuff and, like, how he's just, like, just naturally a hilarious actor. Uh, but I also just, like, he's, like, a he's a dwarf, man. Dwarfs are dope. Like, and he's, like, this hard exterior, but when he's, you know, given when he, like, all he wants is a lock of hair... Because he's he got that soft side to him, <laughs> you know. That's 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 why that's why I, I want to portray. I want to portray this masculinity, but you know, deep down, you know, just a lock of hair. It sounds creepy, but you know <laughs> what I mean. This creepy. the but symbolism of, of why he wanted context. it. Yeah, in Lord of the Rings context, it makes sense. I know, I get it. I also just want to say here, like Sam gives me one of my favorite lines. There's some good in this world, Mister Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. I don't know, like, I feel like I need that. Like, I feel like I'm just, like, sad all the time now because of the world. And, like, I just try to be like Sam. I'm trying really hard. It's not working, but. Does that make Matt Frodo? No, because. Or is Matt Matt Gollum? No. (laughs) 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 No, because Matt's not materialistic. But. Uh, no, I am mostly Frodo, and like when we do the podcast, and I'm freaking out about stuff because I take it on too much responsibility for the week, and I want to cry. Matt just says, "Shut up! I'm gonna carry you over this finish line, and we're gonna do this." And wait, that's why I respect wait, it. So then, am I Gollum? <laughs> I mean, Shh, you can it. be the. Who are the other two little hobbits? <laughs> Mary and Pippin. Oh, can I be Mary and Pippin like together? <laughs> yes, yes. yes I'm all right with that. All right. I, you I, can I feel sing better. in the great halls and drink a lot of mead. See, I feel like yeah, that was I'm more down. embodying. That's you, not Gollum. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for picking me up there, Matt. I was like, you weren't going to be the Gollum. We knew who was going to be the Gollum. Who? <laughs> we knew I was going to be the Gollum. You're anybody. not Gollum. You're Sam. As long as he's not Rudy. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anyway, totally Gollum with him. Leia's totally the Gollum, though, with food. Yeah. 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 Anyway, okay, let's go into the movies. Um, so, The Lord of the Rings is a film series consisting of three high fantasy adventures films directed by Peter Jackson. They're based, obviously, on the novels by J.R.R. Tolkien. I hate saying novels because it was supposed to be one, um, but it's three individually released because of what guys wait what because it was printing costs were too high they ran out of ink man ran yep. out of ink. <laughs> why is that like a theme of I, our favorite well, things yeah, jesus I was like, it's I love so annoying dungeons and dragons leads into lord of the rings because they sucked at printing yeah they both had printing issues it's ridiculous <laughs> they were really trying to embody lord of the rings by having printing issues <laughs> Okay, um, so the films are subtitled um, from Lord of the Rings, so Lord of the Rings, colon, X. Um, the Fellowship of the Ring in 2001, The Two Towers, 2002, and The Return of the King in 2003. I probably should ask you which one of your favorites were. That probably would have been a better The question. one and only Return of the King, the King, not the Jedi. You get that line wrong. It's backwards, first of all. <laughs> Don't care. 
but you're right. Like, <laughs> Return of the King is better than Return of the Jedi. But um, I always like the Two Towers. I don't know why I like the Two Towers more. I think because it's kind of like, I don't know. That last battle scene is just my favorite. I think like, the like one the in trees. Return of the King is really good. But, man, like, the bleakness of, like, everything that's going on. Like, uh, it's it's just such a good battle scene. So... I like the two towers more than the fellowship. One because of fighting, but two because of the ends. And I really love ends, and I wish there were more ends in these movies. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I, I like I like the chasing, you know, of them kind of like trying to find Mary and Pippin and Gimli, just like keep breathing, keep. It's just good. It's I, I don't know. I like the two towers a whole bunch. It's probably go two towers, Return of the King, Fellowship. I think if I had like ranked the three yeah. of them, I probably love them all. Like I, I would watch any of them that are on TV, like without I think the question. The two towers also gave us a lot of really great memes. Yes. Yeah. You definitely. have no power here. <laughs> yeah. For I, sure. I, I struggled with the Fellowship of the Ring. I haven't watched it in a long time, and I just I it's can't. It's really slow. It's definitely a really slow paced movie. Yeah, it's very slow, and it's kind of like not like a weird any point. Like, is it any point that works? But like, I remember back in two thousand one watching it, like. All right, where's like the other thirty minutes of my movie to like kind of lead me into my next one? It kind of just like ends. You're yeah. kind of like, okay, yeah, they have a battle and done. We out. Yeah, yeah. Which also leads to the other fun fact about these movies is so I actually in 2003 saw Return of the King in theaters without actually watching the other two movies. Oh damn! And it wasn't till later that I actually went back and watched the other two and then copied. How up. was that? Because I just never end up watching those movies. But like, how was it? Like, that, did you enjoy the movie without having watched the other two? I asked about it, and they said, "Ah, screw it, just come on." And um, it was what it was. But yeah, no, I enjoyed the movie. It actually, obviously, there was lots of it that made a lot more sense. Yeah. So this. But I thought the movie overall was like a well done movie, to where even though what I missed by the other two yeah. movies, the movie itself stood on its own. And you went back and watched the other two, which is a really good testament to it. This is where I come in and say The Return of the King is the best genre film of all time and it has the damn Oscars to prove it. Um, so Return of the King, then The Two Towers, and The Fellowship for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's where I am. Yeah, this is, like, this is like one of the ones that... like The Two Towers and The Return of the King... Like, they're close. Yeah, they're I'm not so saying they're like a big difference. But yeah, it's yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I rank them, but it's literally like... They're so close. To me, yeah. the two the two towers and the ting really close, and there's a little dip, and then the yeah. fellowship. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean the, the two towers is phenomenal, especially Gandalf coming back from the Balrog and the Balrog scene. Oh, the Balrog scene is so good. Yeah. So when good. When you actually quick, get to see him quick, fight the, ga- the Balrog on top of the tower. Yeah. Quick quick aside, have you seen the extended editions yet? Like, are you I rewatching haven't. them? I haven't. So Do I you was, have them? So I have never seen the extended editions. I don't I have I don't have them. I'm buying them on Amazon Prime, but I was supposed to buy them and stream them and then I learned that it was against the terms of service I, for Twitch. This is this is totally like not like related. But I sent Stefani with them. So Stefani has my extended editions okay. to, specifically to give to you if you want to use them and like save a little bit of money and like decide if you want extended editions after. Okay, this makes sense. I can do yeah. that. And it has appendices, too, in it, so you get, like, even more stuff. Yeah, so you get the real Tolkien experience. Cause you, you really do. Just, side note, you should have listened to part one, which is our episode all about Tolkien and how he made this world that we love so much. Um, but, yeah, okay, going back into the films. Um, so, 
The Lord of the Rings is considered to be one of the biggest and most ambitious film projects ever undertaken, with an overall budget of $281 million. Some sources say between $310 and $330. Um, so is that for all movies? Um, at the time, yes. So you tell me, the, so you tell me Justice League spent more money than all three of these movies combined, and I got that shithole? Yeah. <laughs> Avengers had like a $300 million budget for yeah. one movie. This is oh. for all three. And at Early the time, 2000s, man. Yeah, and at the time, this was unheard of. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and so, like, um, their overall budget was uh, 281 but when it comes to budget reporting, it really fluctuates based on how much marketing money is put in and how much is reported given actors' salaries and everything else. Um, so it either hires or lowers. Um, most people do credit it in the 310 to $330 million range for all three movies. Um, the entire project took eight years to film, and the filming of all three was done simultaneously and entirely in New Zealand, um, Jackson, which was Peter Jackson's native country, um, resulting in one in every 160 New Zealanders being a part of the trilogy production. He brought a lot of jobs to New Zealand, and it's one of the resounding effects, and that's actually about why, though, in and of itself, the amount of money that Lord of the Rings has brought into the New Zealand economy, both from sustainable work over this eight-year period and the ensuing tourism, is insane. Um, um, yeah, so each film in the series also had special extended editions, as Adrian has, massed, met, eh, as Adrian has mentioned. Um, released on DVD a year after their respective theatrical releases. While the films follow the book's general storylines, they do definitely omit some big plot points from the novel, as well as some elements, and include some additions and deviations from the original source material. Um, so I have it in the But Why Those um, later on, talking about the, the, the way they deviate and how fan and critic reception are to them. Um, but these movies have two releases. So for um, Fellowship, it first released theatrically. It's 178 minutes, and the extended version is 228 minutes. Uh, then The Two Towers released at 179 minutes, and then re-released on extended at 223. And then Return of the King released at 200 minutes, and then again at 263 minutes with the extended edition. Can we bring this back? Right? I think we've actually talked about it on some of our review episodes. All I know is how much money I have to pay for a damn movie ticket a day. I want four hours. Yeah, I think I think it should definitely be like that, right? Like, you pay for, like, a three-hour movie, and then they give you, like, an extra 30 minutes later. Like, that's, like, just extra stuff. Like, nothing in these extended editions make it, you know, significantly better movie than it was before. It just I don't know. The Return of the King, 63 minutes, that's over an hour. I've heard that... The, oh, the Return of the King one is definitely, like, the one that benefits yeah. the most. Okay, I was like, that's over an hour. Yeah, I was like, so I posted the other day, I got added at hard by Star Wars Twitter, by the way, when I said that Return of the King was better than Star Wars and better that it was the best genre movie. Um, and then, but then somebody said, I can totally agree with you with the extended edition. There yeah, the extended editions are... no way are... to improve on the great. extended edition of Return of the King. It is the most perfect film in existence. Yeah, the extended editions are great. And I was watching it with my grandma the other day, and she was like, whoa, this wasn't in the actual movie. Why wasn't this in the actual movie? But, like, and, and we'll bring it back to Matt's, you know, uh, DC reference. But, like, Batman v Superman, you shouldn't need the extended edition an extra 30 minutes to make that a good movie. Like, these movies stand on their own and won Oscars with just their theatrical releases 
And if you want to watch an extra hour of it, you can. And it's not like you're missing out on too, too much. Well, I mean, and as much that's how it should the, be. Well, as much as we're talking about the extended editions, like being, you know, like even more time, these movies alone, that's three hours, three hours, and three hours and 20 minutes. And we don't even get that anymore at all. We get Infinity these compressed two-hour movies yes. that ends up either you get development that lacks or you get a plot that sucks. I mean, these condensing yeah. of movies. Yeah, we've talked about it so much. Just give, just give a three-hour movie yeah. back. And then if you want to add 30 minutes onto your extended cut, do it. I'll, I'll be there for it if it's good enough. A four-hour Black Panther movie? I saw a lot of the scenes they took out of that. They would have helped solve a lot of the issues. Well, like that's what I'm saying. You end up with all decide. these issues because can they you, keep condensing movies. Can you imagine a four-hour Infinity War movie? No. It I hurts my die. head. I would I don't emotionally even wanna, die. I don't even want to know the deleted scenes that are in that movie. Because you're right. I did go back and watch like the Black Panther deleted scenes on YouTube. And I was like, why wasn't this in the movie? Yeah. Why wasn't this one in the movie? I would have liked this character so much more if this was in the movie. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, especially with this whole thing, if people want these side characters now to have repre- more than be side characters because everybody's got to be a damn main character. But, like, this is where these this extending of movies helps these side yeah. characters, and so we don't have these crappy side plots or crappy side characters that just make no sense and people complain and don't like. Yeah, no, and I think that's really good, uh, really good because the, the casts of the Lord of the Rings movies are huge, and I feel like I know all of them. Yes. All of them. And I just don't understand, like, why they have to be two hours. Like, I just, or even, like, I say two hours, but that has literally been, like, the, between an hour and 50 and two hours and about 10 minutes, it's been, like, the majority of a lot of movies these days. Yeah. This is, like, this is, like, an aside, but do you think it's because, like, screen time per day, like, per theater? Like, if you make it two hours opposed to two hours and 30 minutes between, you know, two back-to-back showings, you lose an hour. And then over like the course of like a movie day, you lose money. Would I mean, I wouldn't honestly. I wouldn't be surprised. With between the way ticket prices gone up, movie times they want to move faster. Doing this, they can pump out more movies this way. Like for the time of like Return of the King, you get three movies out of that probably. That's three box office budgets or three box office movies budgets or uh, revenue worth. Yeah. I think a lot of it's about mo- uh, money. People don't want to yeah. admit it, but I think literally they want to pump out and get as much profit sales as stuff. Especially considering we talked about it first with the budgets of these movies now going higher. We're like $300 is like the normal for a blockbuster where they made literally three. They spent 12 hours and spent only $281 million. Yeah, and I think that, that like ultimately like it just comes down to... Um I, I think it comes down to movies, and we've said it multiple times when we do our reviews. Like, either make a movie an hour or 30 minutes, or make it three hours. Because that two-hour mark just loses so much. Oh, yeah. Either get me in and out and let me know what's going straight in there, or take me on an adventure. I don't want anything in between. <laughs> I can just imagine, like, Matt, like, the, the, the gif of, from Go the Hobbit. I'm going on an adventure. That's how I want a movie, especially for a lot of the movies that come out. Whenever, like, I want an he, whenever he sits down for a movie, that's, that's how he goes into the movie theater. I mean, honestly, it is. Like, I start looking at movie time for stuff, and I'm like, two hours, this movie's probably going to suck, or there's going to be a lot of issues with it. It might still be a good movie, but I guarantee you there's probably going to be something. Either you have enough stuff where you can you can afford to leave out a lot of explanations on things. Like, even some of the shorter movies that we do like, like we talked about Iron Giant and our Patreon thing. It's really short, but, you know, they don't explain where this Iron Giant came from, all this other stuff, because they don't need to, and they don't care. But for these type of movies with the expansive things, you need these extra minutes and this extra stuff. And we have an ensemble of cast, and we want all 15 characters, especially if you're now wanting all these fans wanting characters to have meaning and everything and not just be background. You need these extra 15 minutes for these characters. And then what also ends up happening is 
not only do your side characters suffer, then you don't even have a problem, which we've seen in some movies where we don't even know who your main character is. Yeah. And Lord of the Rings did it right, and that's another but why, though. And I think time-wise, it's just killing a lot of things. Yeah. And I don't know if it is... I, I want to assume it's a money issue. I'm sure there's other things, but yeah, it's... I just don't like it. But yeah, you're right, Kate. Like, it, it does it right, and if you can make a movie that's four hours long, and if it's good enough, people are going to come back to yeah. see it. Like... Um, my wife Stefani's first viewing of Lord of the Rings, I didn't tell her that we were watching the extended editions. We just watched the extended editions. And she was like, this is great. This is amazing. And then I told her, like, oh, yeah, you watched basically an extra hour of Lord of the Ring or of Return of the King. She's like, oh, I didn't even realize because we kind of just sat and, like, binged it all in one day because it's that good. so good. If it's good, people will sit through it. People are going to show up. People are going to go. They don't care. A lot of times people, I don't know whether I could be missing with this data because it's happened at a lot of things, not just movies, but in sports where this whole thing of like, we need to cut down time. We need to cut everything. And it's literally one of those, if you produce a good product, no matter what it is, people are going to stay and people are going to watch. I mean, and that's where we come into like the actual money that they made as a franchise. And so, um, Fellowship of the Ring was made on a $93 million budget. It made $871 million. .5. This is unadjusted for gross. Um, and then you also have The Two Towers, which was made for $94 million, and it ended up making $926 bill, uh, million. And then you have Return of the King, that was made for also $94 million, and ended up making $1.1 billion. As a whole, the franchise made $2.9 billion, uh, and their total budget was $281 million, even at the high end being 330 So, which one, you may think that's not a lot, but at the time, Return of the King, when it released and fully went through its all-run, it was the second-highest-grossing movie ever. Yeah. So, like, just put that in perspective, especially when you see all these people going, oh, look at these movies, do all this. It's not hard anymore to break $800, $900 million on your movies. Yeah. There was superhero in it. We did a cut it, cookie cutter thing. You're gonna make it like eight hundred million, and it, it's not yeah. hard, especially with the prices. Yeah, and those budgets are like three times as big as these budgets, yeah. um, and these budgets are so low. So to make it on such a low budget for all three movies and to to get that much gross, um, is insane. Well, I'm sure if we adjusted both the thing plus the budget, it might come out a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the un- the adjusted ticket price for inflation for just um so like unadjusted it's like one one um one billion but just for domestic so like this is like not even accounting the worldwide one but for just domestic it's 1.7 billion dollars domestic adjusted for inflation like that's that's 600 million dollars more yeah yeah that's a heavy hitter yeah, and that's not even, yeah, like you said, not even including, like, worldwide stuff. Yeah, that's not worldwide. Yeah, that's insane. Box that's Office Mojo? Box Office Mojo. Sponsor us, Also, please. this is, um, what's up with, what is this 1978 Lord of the Rings movie that I'm seeing on Box Office Mojo? Yeah, it was an animated one. It yeah. was an animated musical. Oh, this is the yeah. animated one. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I didn't know if, like this was like some like B movie that I just wasn't. Yeah, no, 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 no. With. So everything R. before here was an- <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Lord yeah. of the Conquerings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> is that actually a movie? I guarantee it that I actually feel like might sure be. That has to be a movie. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> you are absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> It made sense. 
He does. Anyway. Is that one of the memes where I don't think this is the right movie I came into? <laughs> anyway, this was an amazing success. And when you look at their actual ratings, um, I thought these were kind of off, honestly. Um, but anyway, uh, so Rotten Tomatoes for Fellowship is 91 with a Metacritic of 92. Uh, Two Towers is a 95 on Rotten Tomatoes with an 87 Metacritic. And Return of the King is a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 94 on Metacritic. This is so weird. All of these seem really low for me. They, not that they seem low, they just seem off. And I still don't like this whole like thing. So how is a Rotten Tomato Two Towers the highest, but yeah, then the so, lowest overall movie? Yeah. By, like quite a bit, actually. So the thing is, is they don't actually have a lot of reviews on this. And that's one of the hard things for doing these later movies before these sites came to be. Um, but those are the numbers that they go with, and I think they're wrong. 100%. <laughs> okay. Return of the King should be 100%. I mean, that's fine. It I has mean, the Oscars. Except doing with the ratings, we've said it. It is, we, it is, it's, it is essential for knowing, but it also is the later the movies we go, the harder it is. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, essentially, one of the big but why those for me is there was a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of controversy so much as there was debate within um, the Tolkien fandom, uh, which then became known as the Lord of the Rings fandom, specifically around the movies. Um, and it's because they changed the books quite a bit. And I'm going to go into this in detail, um, just because I have a lot of feelings about it, and they're not necessarily negative. Um, so the film series provoked both positive and negative reaction from fans and scholars of the novels. I do want to say that too. Scholars got involved in this fandom conversation. Damn old people. Not old people. These are the young ones saying that he was important. Anyway. Um, and was sometimes seen as changing parts. Um, to that, And so like what they said, essentially, the argument against the movies is that Peter Jackson changed necessary um, thematics in terms of characters, themes, and subtlety as well as some events in the books from the movies and so they really didn't like that and they felt that they removed parts of Tolkien's um, meaning and like I said in our Tolkien episode Tolkien's main thing was putting forth fundamental truths in his works um, so some of the fans of the book who disagreed with such changes were have released fan edits of the film such as the lord of the rings the purest edition which removed many of the changes to bring them closer to the original um that happens in every fan so once again will we going back about fanfics yeah i know but that's not a fanfic that is a that is a reaction to an adaptation for a specific thing that was already in existence so it's an extreme fanfic yeah pretty much <laughs> But at least it's not like, you made this movie that is not the same as my fanfic, I'm mad at you. This is, you made this movie that is not the same thing as the material that I grew up with and read. But yeah, um, so the various changes include big changes to the characters of Gandalf, Aragorn, Arwen, Denethor, Faramir, Gimli, and Frodo. So everybody. When, pretty much. When considered together, um, were seen by some to alter the tone and themes found in the books, and I really do agree with this. Um, the movies are a lot lighter than the books. The books are a lot darker. Um, several critics contend that the portrayal of women, especially Arwen in the films, is thematically faithful um, to or compatible with Tolkien's writings, despite some differences. This is one of the spots that I do agree with. So, um, like the, I am no man. Like, I don't know why I did that in a manly voice. 
But like a lot. I know of, that was kind of weird. Really weird. But the I am no man, like all the like, there are some things that were written for like Eowyn and even Erwin and her relationship with Aragorn that aren't in the books, but define the women like how Tolkien defined them. They just elaborated on it, um, so I don't have a problem with that because um, they're still the same type of character, just with more lines and more um, interaction and agency with the plot. Um, I don't know if any of that makes sense to you guys. Yes. Okay. We had an extra ten minutes in the movie, so they gave or an extra three minutes in the movie, so they gave them more relevance and depth. Yeah. Um. Um. So, um, changes to events is probably the big one that I can really understand. So, such as the elves participating in the Battle of Helm's Deep, um, and Faramir ta- taking the hobbits to Ozgoth, and then the deletion of the chapter, the scourging of the sire Shire, also have been seen to changing Tolkien's, Tolkien's themes specifically the one year that i have a big issue with is the deletion of the scourging of the of the shire chapter um because that pretty much destroys the shire it's eradicated and it's it doesn't really show you the depth of war and violence that is happening as well as the detriment to the land um, we see it a little bit with the Ents in the Two Towers, um, but that decimation of the, of, of the decimation of the Shire is really important to also understanding that Frodo is completely hopeless. He has no place to go back to. Um, he's completely isolated. Um, so a lot of that depthness, that, that depth and darkness isn't there. I love the movie, so it's not a huge problem for me, but out of everything, that may be something that like if I were to like get nitpicky with it, I would care about. Um, but I don't because I just love the movies because they're so good. Um, for some reason, I feel like I've seen that for some reason. Probably uh, the video games. Okay, that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm thinking about this too. And I'm like, I, I feel like I've like, I feel like I've lived this. Yeah, I, like, think I feel it's like I've seen the Shire on fire plenty times. Yeah, because I think the video games show it. Uh, like I think you play through some of that in, in one of the video games somewhere, mm-hmm. which we'll get to later on. Uh, but yeah, so it would have been great to have it in the movie, but, you know, they already released director's cuts, so there's, there's only so much you can do. Um, but yeah, so supporters of the series on the other side assert that it's wor- it, it is a very worthy interpretation of the book, and that most of the changes were necessary for it to be in film. Um, so many of those who worked on the series are actually really big fans of the book, including Christopher Lee, Saruman the White, who... Um, was the only cast member to have actually met Tolkien in person. Um, he chills with Tolkien. So, I, like, I accept his, like, endorsement of the movies. Um, Jackson once said that to simply summarize the story on screen would be a mess. And in his own words, sure, it's not really The Lord of the Rings, but it could still be a pretty cool damn movie um, because of the stuff that he changed. Which makes sense, because there are some books that, I mean, obviously we have a lot of problems with these adaptations, and they end up with a lot of terrible ones, but there are some that, like, you have to change things, because yeah. it just doesn't make sense in film to ever do it like that. Yeah, no, I completely I mean, how are you going to film four pages of a tree description? Yeah, no, it. I completely agree. Like, I, that's one of the reasons why, like, and I think if you listen to this podcast, or if you listen to our movie reviews, I bring up comparisons to books or comic books a whole bunch. See, I, um, I'm also not the person that does the whole thing where they get mad about the book versus the movie because I just look at it as two different 
things as long yeah. as you can stay within the same, like I said, interpretation of what you're doing. Yeah, which I think is why people love, still love this even with the changes. Yeah, as long as it's not like egregious changes, which I don't really think there's like that many. Like it, it, it like super egregious, like where I'm not going to go watch it again. Yeah. So like, the biggest one is that Frodo wins and everybody's happy at the end. As well as with the fact that Gandalf isn't manipulative. Well, I thought Gandalf was manipulative, though. Not in the way he is in the book. Okay. Like, he is, like, that middle... Like, you can understand why wizards like Saruman get pulled towards Sauron. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. It's like really overt manipulation. It's not, I'm going to manipulate Mary to go over here and do this, or I'm going to manipulate the um, the king and Rohan to, like, it's not always for devices of the greater good. It is sometimes for the devices of Gandalf. I'm so excited for you to watch the extended editions because they kind of like, there's like scenes of, uh, uh, of like the wizards like talking against each other like saying like how Gandalf's like kind of being a jerk but he's like passing it off as like him being good it they go watch the extended editions okay <laughs> yeah yeah no and, and like and like honestly like that's one of the reasons why I love Gandalf as a literary character because I think he's extremely complex and yeah um, I think sure. in the movies I think they do a fairly good job at how they set him in his own thing um, so I, I love him. Um, anyway, so the, mo- the movie guide to the Encyclopedia of Arda, an online Tolkien encyclopedia, states that Jackson's films were exceptional since filming the whole story of The Lord of the Rings would probably be impossible. And I, I agree. Because um, there is a lot of The Lord of the Rings that is just, you can't put it in books or in, in movies. Well, that's another thing. Like I said, There's I a mean, lot. Like, it would be a 10 movie series. Like I said, that's probably one of the things about some of these where they do with adaptation is they have to condense so much of it down that you're going to lose no matter what. Yeah. Um, However, his son, Christopher Tolkien, said this. They eviscerated the book by making it an action movie for young people aged 15 to 25, and it seems that The Hobbit will be the same kind of film. Tolkien has become a monster, devoured by his own popularity and absorbed by the absurdity of our time. The chasm between the beauty and seriousness of the work and what it has become has gone too far for me. Such commercialism has has reduced the aesthetic and philosophical impact of the creation to nothing. There is only one solution for me, turning my head away. So I get that, but I do have a problem with him saying because it. he published. Yeah, because he's the one that published all of this stuff. Yeah, that's been. Yeah, one of I didn't. Things. I didn't know. Feel, I didn't know if we were going to say it. Yeah, I, know, I mean, I'm sure he feels super passionately about it. But yeah. like, dude, his so his like, son. You're, we're here because like you published all of his stuff after yeah. he died. Like, yeah. So his much. son Simon, um, which is Tolkien's grandson, really is. So him and Christopher are fighting. Um, one, so Christopher doesn't want all this adaptations and stuff like that. And Simon is saying, no, we need to keep, you know, our grandfather's legacy alive and let new generations in, 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 interact and, you know, see this world. Um, so yeah. I want to say I would be with you, man, except for the fact that you literally published all this stuff after All of the death. unpublished works. You unpublished, you published everything and all that Forbes money. The top five dead celebrity from our token episode goes to you. Yeah. So that's usually been his reaction. That's the only problem I have with that. Now, if he or did nothing or hit him. this or did not like any of this, I can understand that. But don't yeah. go talking about curse commercialism and stuff when you literally published. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. 
Um, yeah, so we have to talk about awards because The Lord of the Rings won a crap ton of Oscars and genre films don't do that. They just don't, ever. I think Hannibal, um, Silence of the Lambs and Now Shape of Water are the only two other genre films coming in here. And I say genre specifically outside things that the Academy usually deems worthy. We go to the whole high culture, low culture thing again. Dramas are usually the only things that win awards. Awards, horror, fantasy, sci-fi, um, comedy are the ones that don't. In action. And action. Um, so are, pretty much are, everything except one. Yeah. And yeah. Like I joke. Yeah. And that's um you 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 already explained it, but I was gonna add like for you to explain genre films. I think like the absurdity of like classifying everything else as genre films, even like one thing is not. I think is just absurd. And it is. It is ridiculous. Yeah. No, it definitely is. And I do want to say too that that a lot of the time genre film is made to specifically be things that can't be like you can't mistake it. So a whole bunch of fucking wizards and then space wizards in Star Wars and a fish monster and, like, people gentrifying a body. Like, all of those things are very hard in their genre and they can't be bent out of it. Um, so that's why genre ends up getting used, not necessarily as putting them all together so much as making, making it, you say that because it can't be anything else. It is very much ingrained in a genre. Um, and this is usually used for fantasy and horror and sci-fi are the main three that gets used, but it is attributed for all outside trauma and romance. Anyway, let's talk about why Lord of yeah, the Rings is like, awesome. Yeah, you're get me out. You get e- You've you heard get me eaten? about how I feel about the uh, award. <laughs> I know. Um, okay, so the series has received uh, was received with overwhelming praise and was a major financial se- success, as I said before, with the films collectively being among the highest grossing films of all time. It won 17 awards out of the 30 that it was applied for at the Oscars. The so this first... is for all three, correct? Yes, this okay. is for all three. Um, so the first two go like any genre movie. They won for cinematography, sound editing, makeup, and visual effects. Um, and then you had The Return of the King when um, there are also more to there. That's not all of them because I wanted to get to The Return of the King. Um, the Return of the King won 11 Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, and it, this makes it tie with Ben-Hur and Titanic for most Academy Awards ever received by a film. Um, the series received wise praise for its innovative special and visual effects. And this is why, to me, it is the best of all genre films. Not just because, like, I don't want to give weight to the fact that you have to win Oscars to be good. But to me, it says that this film was so good as a fantasy being what it is to make people that don't like genre films stand up and say it was great. Yeah, and when you come to the table and win 11 Academy Award nominations as a movie about wizards and orcs... With, that's, the, that's, with some that's of the, pretty most, damn like, good. the biggest battle scenes, there are battle elephants and an army of the dead. Yeah, it's it's that's that's pretty good. Like you don't get much more high fantasy than that, and to take home that many nominations at the Academy Awards, who I'm sure Matt will let us know how stupid the Academy Awards are. I mean, put it this way: obviously, if you're good to get this, it's fine. But as far as like as she t- just Kate just mentioned, like they literally discredit almost like ninety percent of all films yeah. right yeah. off the bat. No matter what, you, how good you are you're pretty much disqualified yeah. just what you fall into. Which means if you are part of that 10% or if you from that 90% that disqualified and you make it in here, 
then that means how good you are that, like, we don't care that you disqualify all of this. We are better than whatever you got. Yeah, which is why you see, like, last year's Academy Awards being a big year, having both Get Out and Shape of Water list, and specifically say to Shape of Water taking home the Best Picture Award as a fish romance story. And I just have a problem, not necessarily with, not maybe blockbusters or big money's not winning anything, but the problem I have is literally a lot of the movies over a lot of the years when maybe 10% of the population care to see this movie or ever even heard of this movie. I just can't tell... You're telling me this is the best film of the entire movie, but nobody in the general population has ever seen it. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think I think the reason the, but why those are the awards is because it's unmatched by any genre film, but I think another one is that I think that the people of the Oscars and, like, the high culture people need to realize that high fantasy and genre is good. Go watch it. It's making money for a reason. And I think Return of the King just really proves that. So what I do know, I could be off by a few years, but it could be fascinating that all of this takes place at the same time are a little bit intertwining with, actually, the prequels of Star Wars. It does. Yeah. Which is kind of, like, amazing that they blow the all this... the prequels doesn't get shit. Well, I, huh? The prequels doesn't get... Like, well, that's what I'm get, saying. Yeah. Like, the biggest, like, fandom franchise at of the time, probably before this, like, in movies that people represent a lot of times or talk about, go on. Their movies, obviously, they were not as good as these, but the point of the matter is they go on at the same time, and these movies come out. So you would think, no matter what, there's probably their massive competition of yeah. people who just... It's Star Wars, they line up to go see it. Yeah, so one of the things that happens between Lord of the Rings and the prequels, other than, like, the constant Randall and Elias references that we have going on across our Tolkien and Lord of the Rings episodes, is that they do get compared because they both use extensive CGI, but only one gets knocked for it. Um, and I, I, think it, I think it's valid. I do think a lot of the CGI in the prequels is overdone, and I think that... Peter Jackson in The Lord of the Rings had a nice balance between practical CG and how he worked with new technology, which I think is why it does end up hitting higher on the list compared to some of those movies. Yeah, because, you know, they filmed, like you, like you mentioned, like they filmed a lot of this, like, in New Zealand. Like, they were actually outside. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, were they were actually outside. walking the Mordor, damn it. <laughs> yeah. The trees were actually walking in the movie. Um <laughs> Yeah. Which, I mean, you can then, then, from the Star Wars side, or the prequel side, you can argue, well, it's in space. It's in space. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get all But that. you're also on damn Naboo. You can make somewhere yeah, on this exactly. planet Exactly, that's like the Naboo, thing. Practical effects it. are a thing. Yeah. My whole point was, basically, you had probably one of the highest grossing, what people think was, like, the highest, best of, like, franchises, you know, going on with their coming out, like, their coming out party for the new generation at the same yeah. time this is coming out. And this just basically demolishes it. It does. But I think this is like, well, this is like kind of like the coming out party of like high fantasy, really. Yeah, like, again, like this is where it reemerges. Yeah, this is like, hey, wizards are cool. Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. So as we go through this, um, in 2007, USA Today named the series one of the most important films of the past 25 years. Entertainment Wheatley has put it on its end of the decade best of list. Pace Magazine named it one of the 50 best movies of the decade between 2000 and 2009, ranking it number four. Um, you know what I'm going to ask, right? Which one it is and what the other ones are? Yes. I don't know them. In another Time Magazine list, it is ranked second for best movies of the decade. Empire Magazine voted... 
the films number one on the 32 greatest film trilogies. You don't have to answer that one. <laughs> In addition, six, uh, six characters of their respective actors and their respective actors made the list of 100 greatest movie characters with Viggo Mortensen's portrayal of Aragorn at number 15, Ian McKellen's portrayal of Gandalf at 30, Ian Holmes' portrayal of Bilbo Baggins shared with Martin Freeman for his portrayal of the same character in the Hobbit films is ranked 61 and Andy Serkis's Gollum ranks at 66 while Sam Astin's portrayal of Samwise Gamgee is 77 and Orlando Bloom's portrayal of Legloss is 94. Why isn't Frodo on the that list? That is still hilarious. All of those characters and Sam's like at the bottom and Frodo's not even on there. But and they were the there. whole point but of Sam, like... But Sam is there because Sam is why Frodo succeeds. Because Sam be is important. What? Uh, Frodo's my least favorite out of, like, his screen time is literally my least favorite of all of the Lord of the Rings movies. It's only, like you said, it's only good because Sam is there. And I understand the ring is a big bird, and yeah, but I don't want to watch a dude whine for three movies when I got Legolas over here killing elephants and stuff. Like, with it's, a bow. With a bow. Uh, just real quick, just for Matt's um, sanity for that Pace Magazine one. Uh, it's City of God at number one. Mm. Emil, 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 I don't know how to pronounce Amelie? this one. It's like Amelie, yeah. The French movie. Yeah. Um, Almost Famous at number three. And Lord of the Rings trilogy. Or the Lord what of the Rings trilogy the at number four. Fuck. I don't know. So I can give City of God an Amelie, but not, not a head So of one, I don't yeah. know what the first two movies are, which is probably back to this whole point of like, general population doesn't even know They're these movies films. exist. Yeah. I know Amelie's a thing because, like, film people talk about it yeah. all the time. It's, and I feel like people amazing. have talked about it so much that if I go watch it and I don't like it, people are going to think that I'm, like, some swine who doesn't understand, like, culture of movies. Like Akira? Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no. Almost Famous? I don't know why, where the hell that one came from. I don't want to say it's to a be bad honest, movie, but I don't think it's up there that high, is it? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, this list is full of kind of, like, those smaller movies. I mean, Dark Knight is at 11... Uh, no Country for Old Men is at nine. So what? I mean, no there's other movies I've never movie? heard of. I never understood that. I thought it was a pretty good movie and everything, but like the people love that movie, like critics. And I, I was just like, understand. and I just like, I didn't get that. There will be blood was amazing though. That's one movie that I was like, because mm. No Country for Old Men I thought it was pretty decent stuff, but there was a lot of boringness in that movie. That's a critic movie. Well, oh, forgot old people just dying. And they're just going to be, like, having TV going and dying. And they're like, oh, I didn't die through this movie. It's amazing. <laughs> but it was slow enough that my heart didn't give out. Yeah, my heart didn't give out and give me a heart attack. So there's no action in it. And, you know, they had an old-timey scene in it. I relate to that old fucker and didn't die. All of this can be said that I do believe that Lord of the Rings is some of the best movies ever. Almost famous And I can't find the Times Magazine one, That's but I'm funny. sure it's something that we don't. I think really? we just move on because yeah. I think Matt has already had his his fill of angry. <laughs> um, and ultimately, like what these movies show, um, this is probably the biggest. But why though? And I don't really know how to talk about. It. I think we've talked about it across all three, all two episodes. Is uh, it got a new generation in love with Middle Earth? Like it got young kids who had never heard of Lord of the Rings, who have never read them into Middle Earth. It got people who just were just so removed from books into Middle Earth. Like, that's phenomenal in and of itself. Um, and because of that, 
you have to look at the after the film. And you have in 2004, Howard Shore uh, toured with the Lord of the Rings Symphony, playing Amazing, two hours the of the score. Amazing, by the way. The score or the symphony? Both. Have you gone to the symphony? Nope, just download it and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the Harry Potter films, the series has renewed interest in fantasy film genre. Um, tour in the, tourism in New Zealand is up, possibly due to the exposure of the series with the country's tourism industry waking up um, to the audience's familiarity. I want to go to New Zealand because of this movie. I have said it multiple times to Matt. We're going to go to New Zealand because I want to go to a goddamn hobbit hole. I want to go into a hobbit hole, man. You're going to get stuck in there. I am, and I'm going to live in there, and it's going to be great. Um, but yeah, Howard Shore, and I didn't really mention it, but this score is phenomenal. Like, this is probably one of my best scores for, for a, uh, Return of the King, specifically. But, like, any of these scores is just... it. I'm sorry, John Williams. I love you. But Howard Shore, man. Howard Shore. Um, in December 2002, the Lord of the Rings motion picture trilogy, The Exhibition, opened at the Te Papa Museum in Wellington, New Zealand. As of 2007, the exhibition has traveled to seven other cities around the world. A musical adaptation of the book was launched in Toronto because, as we've noticed before, there are musicals of everything, and it had really bad reviews, and it closed. That sounds about right for everything, too. <laughs> um, 16 cast members, Noel Appleby, Jed Brocky, uh, Brophy, Mark Ferguson, Ray Henwood, Bruce Hopkins, William Johnson, Nash... Nathaniel Leal, Sarah McLeod, Ian Moon, Paul Norrell, uh, Craig Parker, Robert Pollock, Martin Sanderson, Peter Trait, and Stephen Err, who is also deceased. No Appleby and Stephen Err are deceased. Um, sued over the lack of revenue for merchandise bearing, bearing their lichen, likeness. So, we have to talk about the negatives, and the negatives is, is a lot of people have been in lawsuits surrounding Lord of the Rings after its financial success. Um, a lot of it having to do with Warner Brothers and getting funds. Um, so the next year after this happened, uh, Peter Jackson actually ended up suing the studio over profits from the first film, and this actually led to the slowing down the development of the prequels, um, The Hobbit, um, the other prequels that uh, people don't like so much. Um, I was like, is this what happened, went wrong with The Hobbit? Yeah, so slowing development of the prequels until late 2007. Um, the Tolkien Trust also filed a lawsuit in February 2008 for violating Tolkien's original deal over the rights that they would earn 7.5% of the gross from any films based in his works, which kind of makes you feel like, is Christopher Tolkien, like, just mad because they messed with his money? Uh, just saying, throwing it out there. Um, the Trust sought compensation of $150 million, and a judge actually denied them this option but allowed them to win compensation from the act of the studio ignoring the contract itself. Um, so in 2009, a settlement of this dispute between the Trust and New Line Cinema was announced, clearing a potential obstacle for the making of the new film series based on The Hobbit, um, which we got and people don't really like. So, so I was curious, just to so like look at these cast members, a lot of these dudes, because I didn't really recognize any of the names that you, that you said, a lot of these people are like background characters. And I'm like... Did they make action figures of, like, the one hobbit in the Shire at the beginning of the movie in The Fellowship of the Ring that, like, looked angry? So or, like, least, what, no, where's no, no. the so, issue so, there? So, at least from what I understood, a lot of it had to do with, like, the prints of them being sold. 
of like the Shire in their background. And so you had their faces everywhere. They were receiving money for their face being used. Oh, uh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, wait. Nathaniel Lees is the guy from The Matrix. Yeah. Yes. I did. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. He, he he deserves to be angry. He needs to be angry. Yes. Meet yeah. you back on the menu, boys. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But some of these other ones, I'm like, what happened? But here? still, Come it's on. your face being put out there in a company making yeah. money off of it while you're not even a lot of money in there. Yeah. And, and a you lot see of what happened in new generations bit. after this. <laughs> they didn't tell you to work for free and you should be happy you can work. Yes. But one, Christopher Tolkien being mad, and then but he also agreed to 7.5% of the gross films. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I said that. I'm just kind of like. So you're mad about commercialism, but you make sure to get your cut. Yeah, so he's rich, right? Oh no, like, the Tolkien he's, trust. He's, what I'm huge. saying, he like yeah, the whole thing chilling. about like this whole thing about they ruined him and commercialized everything, but all the dead celebrity thing and all the money thing literally goes to him. Yeah, and so where we have to go from like the lasting effect from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, we do have the Hobbit trilogy. There is um, fuck. What? Oh. There's The Hobbit in Unexpected Journey, which sits at a 64 on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, you have The Desolation of Smog, which sits, or Smaug. Um, Smaug. <laughs> yeah. Which sits at 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. And Battle of the Five Armies, which sits at 59%. And no awards, um, but they still made bank at $2.9 billion on a $655 million budget between the three. We'll say the second one that has 74 I did really enjoy. The first one's kind of bleh, but I was kind of hoping it was just going to like be just a fellowship thing. And then the last one, I was like, what the f*** is this? So I don't, like, love any of them, but I really like Evangeline Lily in them. Yeah, and I don't hate, elf. I don't necessarily hate them, and, I mean, I think yeah. they're better than, like, the Star Wars prequels. I don't have the but, anger towards them. Yeah. Like, there are some people who genuinely hate these movies, but I also actually don't think it, like, rivals prequel hate. Yeah, no, I don't... Yeah. I don't think they're like completely awful. They're, they're definitely not, not like. Rings. Yeah, I think it was a very disappointment because they're definitely not compared to like they're not winning Eleven Academy Awards. Yeah. I I feel about like this trilogy like how I feel about the the prequels. Like I'll watch them if I'm doing like like a rewatch or something like that. But it's I'm not gonna hate them. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I, like I knew like if you if you heard oh The Hobbit is gonna be made into three movies and you're like upset about what happened then like. What did you expect they were going to do yeah. when they stretched well, no, this out yeah, yeah. like three and, and movies? That, yeah, and that was the biggest thing, was people were pissed that they were making them into three movies to begin with. So I was pissed about that, especially when I found out after the first movie, all of a sudden yep. there was going to be another I'm one. Like, what and is, I was what like, is like, what, what is, doing is this? Here? Get out of here. I was angry. So yeah. a lot of what they did is they tried to tie it, re- like with Legolas, they tried to tie it really into um, a strong lineage of the Lord of the Rings, which I can kind of understand because of Bilbo's placement and the procurement of the ring. But my biggest thing is... I thought, okay, well, there's three movies. Maybe they're going to bring some of the Silmarillion in here, and they didn't really do that. Yeah, I had a problem that it was going to be three movies. It was bad. Yeah. Um, that was the biggest problem. Had it been one, I probably would have been fine. Or even two. But I, three I, is I think, stretching it. I mean... Yeah, three is stretching it for sure. Yeah. But the dwarves were hot. <laughs> I, um, sure. No, I mean... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, beyond the prequels, um, the new prequels, um, 
there is a crap ton of video games. I think uh, so. There are the Two Towers, the Return of the King, the Third Age, the Third Age on the Game Boy Advance, Tactics, the Battle for Middle Earth, the Battle for Middle Earth Two, the Battle for Middle Earth Two, the Rise of the Witch King. That name sound familiar, Adrian? Like the Lich yes. King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord of the Rings Online, Conquest, Aragorn's Quest, War in the North, Lego Lord of the Rings, Guardians of Middle Earth, Lego the Hobbit, video game, Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, and most recently, Middle Earth, Shadow of War. So you want to go with how many we played? How many of y'all played? Math. Just looking at because to be honest, some of the early ones kind of all merged in my head because yeah. like these movies came out all back to back, so all the games came out back to back. Um. The one I think that I remember the most, but they also like blend together, is the Two Towers and Return of the King. I think Two Towers is the one that we had on PlayStation. I loved that game. I loved the progression that you had and stuff, and like you get to go and play like as like Isildur and stuff. Like it was dope. Um, I played the Shadows of Mordor. Um, I'm like halfway through Shadows of War. The Lego Lord of the Rings are pretty dope, and I think those are the only ones that kind of stand out. And Lord of the Rings Online, but I'll let Matt handle that one. So I played the Two Towers and the Return of the King, which, by the way, those are both, like, one, they're very short games, but the game mechanics they have in those are amazing. Uh, so underrated. Like, oh, I don't know why more people don't talk about them. Especially for movie adaptation games. Yeah, no, yeah, like... So good. Yeah, like, they it, it puts you in that battle. Yes. Like, and all of your favorite ones, it's great. Yeah, no, because, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, you can short, you can probably beat it in, like, 10, 15 hours at that, but the point of the thing was... You could sit there and just do these battle scenes and kill, like, 250 people without getting hit. It was so much fun. Um, battle for Middle-Earth, I, I played it, but I don't know which one I played because they were all, like, blended together, like you said. Uh, I played War of the Rings online. I, always, I played the Lego War of the Rings, which are pretty good. I never got the Hobbit one. I actually haven't played Middle-Earth, the Shadow of Mordor, or Shadow War. I've always wanted to, but I just kind of just haven't got around to doing it because I wasn't sure how much I was going to enjoy because what they've been doing with the adaptation of it. It's amazing, but it hurts. Yeah, because like the, game, <laughs> the gameplay from what I heard is really good, but I didn't know how well the story is going to be told because it's literally it's some different branch, yeah. so I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Yeah. The, yeah. But the biggest thing is... The War of the Rings Online, which was supposed to be the big moneymaker, amazing. We were going to dethrone WoW, and that thing sucked. <laughs> and it actually didn't even suck so much as it bombed. I think the, the game overall, one, I waited for about two years. It was really hyped up. They put a price tag on it, so I didn't buy it right away because it was a subscription-based. And then, obviously, on the price tag, and at that time, I was poor because, you know... Uh, college. Actually, I don't think that was college. I think that was more high school. Anyways. But anyways, they went through. It didn't get off great numbers. They kind of tried to release content to it. The gameplay itself just wasn't that great. There were so many problems. Then when they went free-to-play, I started playing it. I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the system that they had. Out of, out of all the... I will say this. Out of all the free-to-play MMOs out there, that is by far my favorite one to play in the system that they have, where to unlock content, you don't really have to pay a lot. You just have to be able to grind a lot. And it's one of those, they will they will reward you for grinding to where you can buy almost all the content without having to pay shit. But as far as the overall game, apparently it's still going on. They use Facebook Live to stream their game. That's funny. Yeah, they've had so many expansions. There's still people playing. I feel like there's only 100. They've condensed all the servers down. But it is really not that good. And they they as far as all the uh, classes and everything else, the classes are really dumbed down. The races are kind of, like, very condensed. It's just... It didn't do well. It bombed. 
it's still around because it's around, but it's by far one of the most disappointing things in the world. Considering, as we talked in our token episode, when you build MMOs, you have to be able to extend past the movies, like when they are extend past like a normal game. So if you take a game and you want to take it in a series in the great narrative, like, oh, we want to make this open world, we want to expand it past MMO series, that's great, but you have to be able to fill all the gaps into what happens. Like in Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars one, it's not very good either. It's fun, but filling in a lot of stuff, it just doesn't get there. They have the same thing with ESO. It's great, and they do it, but they don't have the addicting factor in single player does. WoW just happened to hit it great, even though they've had problems over the years, but they still do it. This one had everything laid out, an entire legendarium. Legendarium. Legendarium for every single side piece of content they could ever want, quest want. They could do it, bring in other characters, and they just dropped a ball. I would like to like point out that out of all the words that you've asked me how to say, that's the one that you've gotten right on that try. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> no, that's amazing because it's, it's an important word, and I love it. I don't know if you have anything to add, Adrian, or if you ever tried it, but yes. Yeah, um, I played it for a little bit, um, and it kind of more or less like I was playing World of Warcraft, and I was like, this just doesn't even compare. No. Um, I don't even know why it's still a thing. Yeah. People are actually like, surprised so it's many, still Like, there's so many other games you could be playing. Like, does this, do you still need to, like, play this game? Because they, they haven't updated anything, I don't think. Yeah, no, they actually know. did it's release just, the giant expansion probably like a month and a half really? ago. Yes. It's just really clunky. Uh, well, I mean, it used to be really clunky. I mean, this is what, like over like 10 years ago. Um, it just doesn't come up to like the standards of like the EverQuests and, and like the World of Warcrafts of the world and things like that. And as you mentioned in our um, token episode, it's a shame because the world that's built is so amazing you just had to like put some you know programming skills to the test and kind of like just bring that world to life. And I think it would have been amazing. That's what I'm saying. Like the game is not immersive. It doesn't come to life. Like impress for what all they had to use. They had everything there. You just had yeah, like you said, make it come to yeah, life. And because, they just because failed. the video because the video games do it. Like we just talked about. Like the other ones. Like the console based games were great. Um, the like the Hobbit video game on original Xbox, like you legit see like the Shire burning and like one of Bilbo's like flashbacks, like it's yeah. they're legit games, and the that's why the, the online the MMO was so disappointing. Yes, basically takes everything that Kate talked about and takes a big dump on it. <laughs> yes. Um. So on my side, I played the Two Towers: Return of the King, the Third Age. I played one of the Battle for Middle Earth. I don't remember which one. Um, I played the Lego Lord of the Rings, I played the Lego Hobbit, and then I just started playing Shadow of Mordor, and I think I talked about it in our last episode, and it's hard. It's hard! <laughs> it's so hard. It gets harder every time you die. And I will say that I did try to get her to play Lord of the Rings online with me. You told me how bad it was, and I don't want to put that on myself. The free-to-play model that they embrace, though, the is The model's amazing. great, but I love the, Lord I'll, of the Rings. I love the model they have. And if they brought that model to other games, I'd probably still be playing Star Wars or something like that. Yeah. But no, the model they have is amazing. But. Um, so far as Shadow Mordor fitting into the lore, it's really, really cool because you get to learn a whole bunch about the orcish, like, captain structure and the orcish structure. The orc, you learn a whole bunch about the orcs. Yes. Which is really awesome. Like, that's something you don't get to see. You have a wraith take control of your damn body at points and like you use the wraith like it's really cool it gets it, it touches on pieces of the of the legendarium that you don't really see in other places and you get to play it and i really love it 
um, and the fight mechanics are so fun. Yeah, I know this fight mechanic's been praised for, especially in, I believe it's Shadow of War with the combo combination kills and everything yeah. else. So, I can't wait to play Shadow of War. I hope I can make it past the first two missions on Shadow of Mordor before I quit, but yeah, that's kind of where I am. So, do we want to talk about the one more thing? What? The Amazon thingy? Or are we just going to glance over that like it never existed? <sighs> yeah, so I had it up there for the last episode. I know, you did, and then you like Talking completely cut it, and episode. I was just like, are we just not going to talk about this? Yeah, so after we have this, um, the next place that Lord of the Rings has led, and specifically Lord of the Rings financial success, is on November 13th, 2017, uh, Amazon announced that they had acquired the global television rights to Lord of the Rings. Um, the series won't be a direct adaptation of any of the books, but it will introduce new stories that are set before the Fellowship of the Ring. The press release referred to previously unexplored stories based on J.R.R. Tolkien's original writings. Amazon will be the producer in conjunction with the Tolkien Estate and the Tolkien Trust and HarperCollins as well as New Line Cinema. Um, I mean, and on top of that, too, like, outside of video games, there are a whole bunch of card games and tabletops. Um, yeah. But I'm not too stoked. I mean, I wasn't excited for the Amazon series. And then Peter Jackson, like, I think, like, a week ago just signed on to being involved with it. So I'll see where it goes. Adrian, how do you feel about this? Uh, I didn't know the Peter Jackson thing happened, yeah. but if um, Peter Jackson's on it, I mean, maybe proven formulas would say that it'd be good, but, you know, you never know these days. Um, I think that has, like, a tall task ahead of it just because of how good Game of Thrones is and kind of, like, the high fantasy world right now. But if uh, Jackson has taken kind of, like, the leadership on it, I think I think it has... Yeah room to be pretty good but then again if it like if it's only on amazon like streaming thing goes back to the whole like everyone wants their damn streaming service are people gonna pay you know amazon prime prices to watch lord of the rings i don't know yeah i mean and i think that's one of the problems that i have too is like also i do want to say because i have to bring him up on every episode we almost had guillermo del toro direct the hobbit um but beyond that, too, like, Peter Jackson did give us a Hobbit series, which I don't think are terrible. I don't think they're great. But I think that maybe putting him into long-form television would be a really good go. Um, so if he's on board, I will take that ride with him. However, um, I don't know, man. Like, when it first came out, I was pissed. Because I'm like, why do you need to touch more of it? Like, just leave me with my trilogy. And I think that you can't have too much of something. And I'm really tired of people just beating stuff to death. But at the same time, like, if they do bring back, if they do, not bring back, but if they do touch on, like, the untold stories of Middle Earth and stuff like that, that's getting more people inspired to read Tolkien's work. Um, and I can't be against that because I think that there are a lot of people that really need to read the books and, like, experience that world. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, that's right. That's kind of where I'm at, too. Like, with all of the Star Wars kind of, you get a franchise, and you get a trilogy, and you get a TV series. Like, it's fine. It's all well and it's good, fine. but if you're just telling me, like, a background, like, if you're making, like, for example, like, the new animated series, it's, like, taking place basically in a time frame of stuff that we've already seen. 
that's like that's getting tired to me. Like yeah, I'm sorry, because then like, it just turns into just putting stuff out because you want to put stuff out and make money. Versus yeah, like there's so much stuff before we get in the movies that you could be telling stories about. But no, you want to take, talk about like the two year time gap between the movies and turn it into like a three season animated series. Like that's dumb. So like like you said, like if they go through Lord of the Rings and go through kind of like a lot of the backstory stuff, and we kind of you give me give me a young. Gandalf, I'm there for it. But if you give me like, you I want know, Baron and I want Baron and Lithian. I just want. Yeah, to, even yeah, if you do that story, make make it you make it a make it a action comedy high fantasy thing. I think that's better than yeah. You know, I, I mean, doing stuff we've already seen. Yeah, I make just, it different. Yeah, I mean, overall, like I this doesn't sound really bad. I mean, I don't know. I love Star Wars, Adrian. I love talking Star Wars with you. I love talking Star Wars in close quarters. I just don't want this to turn. I am scared of what new things will do to creating a fandom because fandom is exhausting um, and like I love it and there are good things about it but like I am tapped out on Star Wars and that like that to me was a franchise that I love and like for me Lord of the Rings is above Star Wars and I like I'm scared of that which sucks because it sounds like I'm saying like I don't want people touching my things like I do, but I'm just worried about all the discourse that's going to go on around it, and like the t- I just I. I mean, it's valid. Like yeah. you're you're entitled to want things to happen in your fandom. Like, does it make you a bad person? Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure people aren't going to like that I say I don't want this new resistance thing to happen. Like, I, I I don't I don't care to be honest. Like, there's like comics that are coming out. Like, there's mediums yeah. there. I just but we I, know I we know nothing about anything else. So like I don't want that to happen in Lord of the Rings. Exactly. I don't want that. Just go back. Go go way back. Go way back. Let's just just do it. Give me young Gandalf. Give me a buddy cop young Gandalf movie I, with some know, other some other guy. I don't even want to see guy. any of them. I want to see the Silmarillion. I want to see like times before this even happened. I want to see the development of Sauron. I want to like I yeah that's where I want Matt. Oh, I don't want this at all. we know man we know but the only problem i have with this is one it's not a series the series will not be a direct adaptation of the books and so i think it means specifically the hobbit and lord of the rings i thought they were talking about the actual books of the middle earth Um, and so if not they're going with the previously quote unquote unexplored stories based on this and i have a feeling with based on that language it's going to be a bunch of weird, made-up stuff that could end up, like, with this whole thing that either doesn't make sense, or it's going to end up cutting into this weird thing that doesn't make sense or leading up. Or it could up. possibly be labeled Elder Scrolls or something else. Yeah, it's just going to end up either following into this whole thing of, like, how we get to where we're at, and then it's like, you have this totally different thing that comes beforehand that looks makes no sense leading up to what we got. Yeah. To even up to The Hobbit, to even Lord of the Rings. So you have this, like, thing that's, like, the problem I have with a lot of prequels and everything else and stuff because you go through time and time changes and people change and the way things are and what's, what is relevant. So everything back in 2001 or even when Tolkien wrote all these stories are based on this and this time frame and his thoughts of all this stuff. And now you're going to try to write adaptations using 2018 people to try to tell a story that happened even before yeah. The stuff that's already been told. I mean, well, I and I think I, that yeah. that will end up ruining and where you end up with this lot of stuff where people don't like because it's you're adding things that were either not thought of, not discovered, not done yeah. to stories yeah. that aren't part of this. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be great to see them build out the world kind of like they have in the video game, um, 
or some some of the video games just because there is so much content there. Um, I took as a pre-release and explored as like the untold stories of Middle Earth and stuff like that. That's what I took that as. Um, if it's not that and it's a random story they pulled out of their ass, I'm I'm not okay with that. Yeah, like that. Is this is this is this like a real thing? Is this five season commitment? Yeah, do five seasons of this. Yeah, of what exactly? Yeah, and we don't know anything Brooklyn about Nine-Nine it. Brooklyn Nine-Nine got canceled for like three days after five seasons, but this untold thing gets five seasons off the bat? This doesn't yeah. make no sense. We don't even know what it's about yet. Yeah. Like I said, have a director. Like I said, they're not even doing the direct adaptation of the books. Now, if they say we're going to do the untold stories or like do using the all the ten freaking books of Middle Earth, that and basically, like I said, and basically going through, to me it's a little different because like when we talk about Star Wars, there is a lot of room where they can let you grow out the universe without anything else. Tolkien said, no, nah, I did all this for you. Anything you add, just, you're, you're shitting on my work, dude. I, I made the whole yeah. thing for you. I did everything for you. You don't have to do anything else. Yeah. And I think if there's one part I do agree with, like, Christopher Tolkien thing, the whole thing, like, commercial, I think, like, you don't have to expand anything to what they're doing. They, he did everything. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I, I think you're right. So it isn't like three movies that they turned into seven books and expanded stuff and background characters. Like, no, he already wrote the background character story. It's right right there. Yeah. I feel you. I completely agree. So, no, I don't want this. And I think it's going to be awful. (laughs) No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I think it will split a lot of people. I think it'll definitely split a lot of people. And I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm not either. This is the one thing I can hang on to. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, I feel like Twitter's exhausting, man. And I just feel like my other fandoms, with the exception of comic books, like, it's just, it's completely drained me, and I just have to hear so much bullshit. And for me, I'm just kind of like, I don't know, Lord of the Rings has been away from that. Yeah, I'm thinking about it, and if you just do, like, if you do, like, you know, they do, like, stories of uh, Gondor or something like that, and you, in 2018, obviously, like, we're going to call for more diverse cast. It's just, it's just what we do now. It's what we expect to see. Yeah. Um. And you throw in, you know, Asian actors or Latinx actors. And then you look at, like, the movie and you're like, yeah. where were all of these people in the movies? Yep. Kind of like to Matt's point. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a little Which, weird. So it's kind of interesting mean, to see how they take it. I, I don't want to say it's thing. It's just, so, you're not, so, it doesn't make so sense. So making it more diverse, that doesn't bother me. I don't, like, I, that doesn't The only reason I will say making it diverse is his point of, I don't mind it being diverse, but the problem is you it already have a precedent yeah. Consistency. Yeah. yeah. yeah and so all of a sudden you're like... Because if you go back and watch, like, there are a lot of people that are there, but they're really fucking obscured. Like, the most people you, like, the most people you have contact with are, like, a very, like, specific set of the Shire and very high, high high-casted people within human society. No, yeah, that's why I'm saying, like, like, for my example, like, if you go Gondor or something, like, go somewhere else that we haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah, so Tell like, me, I think, show me where they're at. I think you can also do Gondor, but you have to. You can't do it from like the high families of Gondor yeah, because they're established sense, as yeah. being white. But I don't think that there's a problem in diversifying the cast. Just tell a different story, which I think that there is material to do that. And the fact that Tolkien's work is not made to be specifically Nordic, which is not specifically white, that leeway is there. I do think that it it would be hard. Like, you can't just throw in a random, you know, let the next actor and say that's Aragorn's daddy. Like, that doesn't work. (laughs) Um, I don't think that that would happen because there is enough lineages, and this goes back to what they're going to adapt from. There are enough lineages outside of what we have seen that they can do. There are so many years prior to The Hobbit that we can see that they can do. 
And so, so I'm not some of these people are so that. old. Yeah. Like some of these characters are like legit hundreds of years old. Yeah. Like there's so much story to tell. Yeah. And so, just just and, don't put it in what we've seen. Like yeah. go back, go forward, which do something. I think, don't which put I it. Which I think is why they said it's not going to immediately lead up to these movies, which I think is fine. Because I do think that there would be problems with casting when it comes to that. I personally, we also have a diverse cast of humans and, and everything. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, that's fine. Um, I want that, obviously. But at the same time, like, it's also, like, I don't think it's going to be a detriment so long as they don't start playing, like, like the family lineages and stuff. Because, like, it, and unfortunately, like, that is one of the problems with the movies themselves. It, that is what we got. And so you have to deal with that issue it's yeah a, for sure yeah we'll, we'll see what happens i mean yeah there's there's all stuff we want i think we all want the same thing we just want a good show that has characters we care about yeah and it's good yeah that's, that's the thing too like if they give me a good show i'm gonna like it yeah for sure but if they fuck with my lore it's gonna be fucked <laughs> he built too much for it not to get to try to do something no like i think i think that's actually, that's that, my problem with it. Yeah, he built too much thing, is like if like it, it and, and i think that, that's the problem i have with a lot of this because yeah. he built way too much this isn't like we take a movie and we're gonna make a universe this isn't even like i train your dragon we take a movie or two and build a universe or we take you know star wars we three movies and build a universe he built the a universe free, is it's already built. built this is what we got you can't change within that because then you literally are just destroying or ruining or messing up everything that's yeah. built. no i see that and that that's definitely hard Spoiler alert, Amazon pulls a Disney and says everything is not canon and whatever they do is not I canon. will lose my shit <laughs> so quick. Like, you think you've seen me angry. You haven't. But no, I mean, I, I'm... I have some hope. But it's not a lot. And I think ultimately, like, I'm trying not to be the person that says just read the fucking books. But ultimately, just read the books. Because... There's movies, and there's books, and there's games, and it's literally one of those. There's not just two. There's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's an entire world. So let's close out the show with some fanboy why those. So from at Torasala1, um, it's very simple. <laughs> Gandalf, that is all. Um, then we go to at Barbara underscore Elon. Um, I discovered the first films and utterly fell in love, as well as nurturing my love of fantasy. They also sparked my interest in filmmaking and storytelling. Hashtag friendship goals and hashtag hair goals abound. And I still cry every time I watch the um, Kazudum bit. I do too. I do too, Barbara. I, I cry a lot um, in these movies. Um, it's very emotional. Um, from at Bubsy from at Bubsy00 it matters because I still get that soaring feeling in my chest when the Rohirrim charge the um, Pelennor fields. Even after all these years, after dozens of viewings, the emotions the, those movies bring out of me are deep. They're truly masterful works, as masterful as the books themselves. I agree. And the, the Knights of the Rohirrim writing is phenomenal. Like, the b epic battle scenes I don't even think we talked about are insane. They're terrible in the damn game. They're amazing in the movies. Um, I think actually, like, work her with them or something. Yeah, and from Street Fighter 88, uh, the fight between Gandalf and the dragon from Lord of the Rings 2 is one of my favorite movie action scenes of all time. I think he means a Balrog. Okay. there's no dragons. But yeah, no, that is a really, really good scene. Gandalf and the Balrog fighting on the tower is really, really well done. Um, at Shannon Joy 26, what you said, the friendship... 
between the fellowship particularly sam and frodo is beautiful i saw the trilogy with my best friend and it really resonated with us we are still friends now and sob like babies when frodo leaves from at dragonfire xl17 there's a lot to unpack in tolkien's work but one thing I will always praise is Samwise Gamgee. He is the kind of friend I strive to be. He is kind, brave, loyal, humble, and emotional. Essentially, he is the true hero of the Lord of the Rings, and his hope is is contagious. I started out this episode by saying that. Sorry, I completely agree. From at Koshik7496, the friendship between Legolas and Gimli. Fun banter that gets really emotional in the end. And then he included the gif with the thing of Gimli saying, I never thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. And then Legolas saying, what about side by side with a friend? It's actually one of my like favorite memes on the internet. Like when like, anything ever comes up, like like Xbox and like PS4 like versus like PC and stuff. It's yeah. a great meme. And it's a great moment in the movies. They're my, they're two, that dynamic is like my, one of my favorites in the in the in the whole series peak for sure. orlando bloom it is peak orlando Before bloom it really is actually. yeah it really really is he comes on at peak and just goes away yeah. um and then Wait finally till you see him drunk in the extended editions <laughs> and then uh here we go this is a final really long one from at shane deal um for a bit more context, I first encountered his work around 2004. His works and movies matter. Uh, his works and the movies matter a lot, but in different ways. First, it taught me that I could be wrong. I still regard that as one of the most important gifts I'll, I'll, I've received. I still like to operate with the assumption that I do not know. It was Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter that taught me that. Politically, I think it helped me feel uh, helped give me the final push to leave conservatism, a stance that the Iraq War had already weakened quite a bit, though. Had not Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter shown up when they did for me, I could easily see myself taking a much sinister path in life. Religiously, I think it helped me get out of religious fundamentalism. I only now realize how just how fundamentalist I was at the time. Before that point, I thought Lord of the Rings and even Harry Potter and Narnia were evil because of magic. Personally, first... First, that I could be wrong. Second, because I do not think I would have started writing my own stories. My own stories have been rather informative to myself, especially regarding gender, once I had the words for it. Tolkien also gave me the, per the permission to imagine. Even though I wrote my stories, I still lean a lot on the lessons from my, um, from my characters. It gave me a love for the fantasy genre altogether. Had I not liked that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have met friends. Had I not met the friends, I would not have started learning new things, and I had not... And had I started not learning new things, I would have, I would not have been ready to learn more about social issues that we face today. I don't know for certain I would have given things like LGBTQ plus rights, race, or other important things their due consideration. In this way, it's all branches on the tree, yes, but I don't know that I would have changed my mind had not my experiences with fantasy already prepared the soil, so to speak, had it not... I could easily see myself having looked at what happened to uh, in Ferguson being um, and uh, having looked at what happened in Ferguson as not being that big a deal. For example, we all just need to sit around and be nice, etc. So yes, I think I can say that they matter to me. I do not think I would be the same person without them. I do think I would be more unjust and a sinister person without them. If I had to guess at how my views were at the time and how they would have played out over time. That's from At Shane Deal. Thank you for opening up so much and sharing how informative Lord of the Rings was for you. Um, 
I I mean, just to start with our, our sign-offs here, like, re-watching the... <laughs> this is so stupid. But re-watching Return of the King specifically, the Two Towers and Return of the King specifically, um, I kind of felt like I need to ask for help more because of how much Frodo doesn't ask for help. <laughs> um, and just knowing that, like, he does have that support. Like, it's really weird. Like, I put a lot into this movie because I saw a lot of myself in Frodo. Um, watching it now and like my current state and how busy I am and stuff like that um, yeah like these movies are important and I really don't want to say it but they still like I still feel like I'm that giddy kid in the theater watching them at like 26 watching them for like probably the 30th time I don't know how to say it any better than what's been said um the Lord of the Rings movies um, and the books in general have been kind of like a staple in um, kind of like my fandom like relationship like with my dad and like my grandma and my, my uncles on that side of the family. Um, so it's one of my favorite fandoms. I'm not in, I'm like not necessarily like in the same boat uh, as, as you, Kate, of like it being better than Star Wars, but it's definitely up there for me. Like if it's on, I'm watching it. I don't care how long it is. I don't care what I'm doing. Like, every year when it comes up on TNT, it's on my TV. Uh, it's, it's a great series. It has great characters inside of it. And like we've mentioned time and time again, there's a whole fleshed-out world in it. So, and if you know anything about me and kind of going back to, like, our Star Wars books episode, I love background stuff. And there's so much of it here in The Lord of the Rings and that's kind of, like, universe where you can go and go play the video games you can go read the um untold stories and things like that so there's lots of stuff to digest outside of just the movies and the movies being great is like a nice little plus plus the extended editions and things like that so it's really really good and y'all if you haven't watched it and you've listened to these two episodes back to back and you haven't kind of heard her if you haven't experienced this for yourself do yourself a favor and go watch the extended editions like yesterday um, I guess one, I mean, obviously, thanks for all the fan, but why that was, especially the last one, which I also find it's very interesting because we talked about in the Tolkien thing that he was apparently a devout Catholic with very mm-hmm. conservative things, which is also still really confusing because of the times. But he also, like, kept it out of his writing. Well, no, I mean, I know he kept it out of his writing, but even some of the works he did for how he did moving forward. But... Um, saying all that, I mean, the movies are great. I enjoy these movies. I've seen them plenty of times. The world... I guess when I say a lot of times with these movies, when it comes to a lot of things about, like, timing and everything else, it's literally referring to, basically, you can take like this, of... When it, when I go to the movies, I want to go on and either get me in or get me out or take me on an adventure. And I think a lot of that aspect gets lost nowadays, but I feel like these movies definitely, like... They're four hours or two hours. You get the whole... They're immersed in what happens. And the fact it's all fleshed out. I'm still not going to support this damn Amazon thing. But... Because it's already there. I don't need more. It's already there. You just have to actually embrace what's already there. Go read the damn books. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it sucks because I know sometimes people don't like that. And sometimes I don't like people tell me that. But he literally spent his entire life devoted to yeah. this. And built an entire world. He wasn't even living... On Earth, he was living in Middle Earth. Yeah, all the way down to his gravestones that we talked about in our last episode. Oh, they don't need anything else. Yeah. We don't need anybody else to do anything. 
He did it all for us. And it is there. Matt, that's really powerful coming from you. <laughs> it is! No, because, like, like I think, like, oh, because, you, like, you kind of mentioned it, like, you, all the time you're like, I hate it when people tell me to read the books, like, just, I should just be able to do this, but you're, like, it makes sense. Like, he already did all this work. He already set the groundwork for us. Like, I'm saying, because we first. don't have ten different people with ten different books. We literally have him with, like, his ten, life. yeah, ten books by him. Everything. Yeah. He developed the languages. He developed everything. He did everything for us. Yeah. I'm going to go reread everything, y'all. There's, like, it, I mean, there's nothing else. Yeah. We, we don't need another Amazon series because it's not even like we're missing parts because they gave us 13 hours of it. In this day and age, that's, like, almost 10 movies. Yeah. In three movies, he gave you 13 hours. Yeah. That's not including the damn Hobbit series. You have 20 hours probably of film alone. Yeah. What more do you need? <laughs> and Christopher Tolkien, don't be telling me your part and so you can commercialize them and then you're going to sign with Amazon for part of the damn commissions. Yeah. I'm out. I'm done. You're out. You can drop in the mic. <laughs> I'm done. Work my cardboard. <laughs> Everybody ready to wrap up? I thought that was it. Yeah. I already saved my speech for that. Okay, I'm done. Okay, I don't okay, have anything okay, now. Okay. <laughs> so as always, you can find us at ButWhyThoughPC on Twitter and on Facebook.com slash ButWhyThoughPC. Interact with us. We want to hear your thoughts. Um, on top of that, go ahead and head on over to our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash ButWhyThoughPC, because we are raising money for Stack Up, the military veteran gaming charity. Um, oh, sorry. It's we are raising money for Stack Up, the military gaming charity that uses the power of video games to empower veterans. Um, they're an amazing organization that we have worked with in the past. We've done some episodes with them. Um, they're just great people. So head on over to our Twitch channel and hit that donate link in our panels on the Stack Up logo. Um, any little bit helps, and uh, we'll be doing that all month. Uh, as always, you can find me at OMMithRandier on Twitter. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93. Matt? You can find me not playing Lord of the Rings online because it's a giant disappointment. <laughs> I wanted you to say Ozlgoth. I couldn't think. I've already used like five cities from Well, I just Middle like Ozlgoth because like Ozlgoth is a nice, it's, it's a cool word. Ozlgoth. Ozlgoth. Yes. Okay. We out. Thank you.